0: Good morning, everyone. John Wagner here with Community Insurance Partners. We have Jason Jones, the owner of our organization, and Paul Birch here with us today. Captain Birch, here with the Mobile Sheriff's Department. Thank you for your service. I know most people only say it the military, but for the first responders as well, you know, that's for you, your family, because every time you guys walk out there, you're putting your life on the line. And that's absolutely you know, true. It's challenging for you. It's challenging for your family, you know, to have to deal with. They they're walking around if they're at school or if they're at work or stay at home mom, and they're always worried about, you know, what what's going to happen when you get that call. So thank you so much for for putting your life out there and trying to keep us all safe Appreciate it. I
1: appreciate
2: it. I think it's become more, you know, one of the things that um, I mentioned when um, we had, and of course, you're a veteran as well. But one of the things I mentioned to one of our last veterans was at one point that I saw this written in the, um, the and I've got to at some point in time. Remember the name of the the local place I was at? But it's at the Bay Hayes Building, the the local VA mm-hmm. group, and um, they had a the, the lady that I talk with all the time down there had a sign behind her desk that says, "Yeah, thank you for being a veteran." Because at one point in time in your life, you wrote a check with an endless amount that was up to your life and signed it, no matter what that you were willing to give. And I think from 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 a veteran and then going into the to the law enforcement, you've actually done that. You, you've continued to do this, not just once, but you've done that going forward. Because I really can't imagine in in, in being someone in law enforcement and sometimes on some of the, the most trivial things are just a basic routine type thing. You know, walking up to someone that you don't know that you don't know what's going on that could happen to you and and um, you know we've certainly had some tragedy that we've all experienced through scene with our, our law enforcement over the last few years. The years that I've lived in Mobile and um, we're just we're thankful for what you do and that you're willing to, to get up every morning and, and 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 stand in the way to defend us and and help us and and keep us safe in our community. So thank you. On behalf of all of our, our customers, I know every one of them would say thank you for this and it's appreciated
1: and again just you know I love getting up coming to work every day that's great the day it stops being fun it'll be time to retire but I don't foresee that in the near future so
0: fantastic yeah that's one of the things you know we love getting up and coming to work here too because like I said earlier we get to help get to help people you know and have a direct contact and and see how we make a difference in people's lives and that makes coming to work fun, you know? Well, I'm not far from needing y'all's help. So (laughs) I'm knocking on the door. We'll get you to sign a contact card before you leave. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So let me ask a question. So since we do, uh, our business is focused on seniors and those who have a disability. um, Being with the Sheriff's Department for over 20 years now, are there any specific programs that you guys have for seniors um, or those that are disabled? And I have a follow-up question to that as well.
1: Yeah, there is, there are a couple. Um, you know, and one, we don't seem to get the participation that that we would like to. It's a very minimal, you know, fee. It's free if if you can't afford it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Project Lifesaver, you know, because we're seeing more and more. Cases of Alzheimer's and dementia mm-hmm. uh, patients wandering either from their home or right. you know from a, a group home type situation, mm-hmm. and it's simply a, a monitor, a bracelet monitor that we come out and change the batteries for free. Um, you know, it allows us to recover them very very quickly okay. when they get. But we just don't seem to get the participation. That is a
2: fantastic that, program. I had no idea of the program. Um, yes, it's Project
1: Lifesaver. Project Lifesaver. Project Lifesaver. Life You're
2: saying it's, it's for those that can afford it. It's how, What is the cost? I mean, it's that? like $20 a month or less.
1: $20 a month. And, and uh, again, we come out and change the batteries for free. When, right. When, you know, we we get alerts when the batteries are getting low and... and I think they actually have a, a maintenance schedule, okay, yeah, and and will go out and change you know the batteries for the participants.
2: And is it like a GPS finder or something inside of it that it, can, can identify them? It
1: is. It like I said, it's a very small you know, I guess non invasive type bracelet. It's, uh, but but over the years we've had several tragic deaths that that just they wandered off we couldn't find them either it was you know freezing cold weather or extremely hot weather and they were in those elements for several days and and you know and and passed away because of that when a simple bracelet would have you know we have a
2: lot of um of clients and and of course you know my history that I'd mentioned um Well, I guess maybe I didn't mention it on um, this podcast, but I'm I'm previously a social worker from the hospital system. I actually worked at Knollwood Hospital, which no longer exists, so I I tell my age a little bit when I talk about working at Knollwood Hospital. But I worked at Knollwood Hospital for many years. One of the things that we ran into there quite often were families from out of town and their parents wanted to stay in town. It's a really good program that can give them some security of knowing, well, if something does happen and they're out, it's kind of like the I've fallen, I can't get up um, aspect of it. If something happens, they can actually find um, where they're at, which is a really nice thing to be able
1: to. I do. mean, it is it, it, it. The minute we get a phone call that, that you know one of the clients have wandered off, I mean we're, we're up instantly. Right. Can find find the location of that bracelet.
2: And and, and, for a diabetic or someone like that, I mean, instant is what you need. You have to have someone to get to them instantly.
1: Yeah and, and that actually will feed into another program that we have is the yellow dot program that which I'll now, I'm familiar with the talk yellow dot a little program bit more yes. about that you know but you know there's a few cases that we've had where you know we've talked to the family about it and they just wouldn't right.
2: participate well. and you know, it could have saved lives. Does that extend over, and I know that, um, I don't know if the range ranges outside of Mobile or if, um, if like, Baldwin County uses that. Because I've seen a lot of people in Baldwin County, it seems like, that, or on the news, I've seen a lot of people that have gotten lost. It seems like that happens a lot over in Baldwin County. Do you know if they do any kind of program like that, or do y'all have a... Baldwin County, I'm
1: not sure if
2: okay. they have a the program.
1: I will say the range on ours are surrounding counties. I mean, okay. if they go you know, way out of state, right. we haven't really had that. Because right. normally when Alzheimer's or, or dementia patients wander off, they're on foot. On oh, foot. Right. So, again, I just, I wish there would be more participation
0: in it. Right. And so you mentioned, obviously, the cost is about, you said about $20 a month. But $20 or less. Or less. Um, so you also mentioned that, you know, uh, depending on, on need, if they can't afford that, there might be some additional. Well, how does that funding, uh, are you familiar with how that funding would, would flow through, or who funds that if someone needs it but can't afford it? I, I really don't.
1: You know, and, and, and you know, it, when we started the program, uh, there was a couple specific deputies who ran it you know they, they've moved on and, and have handed it down to to okay. other deputies but you know, not really sure where the funding comes from it's just all, it's just been there it 's been there yeah you know and, and that's a, a again a, it's not an overwhelming amount because we don 't have a lot of participants right. Right. and um, but but those are the kind of things that we'll find funding for if that becomes absolutely. an right. issue
0: absolutely. And you mentioned the Yellow Dot program as well. You
1: want to speak on that? Yeah, you know, it it was a hot topic for a few years and just kind of, you know, we still have all the brochures and and the, you know, packets that go with it. it's just a sticker that goes on the window of your vehicle that tells first responders that you've got one of those packets in your glove box, and you list all your your medications, okay. um, your physician, your family contacts, and, and it, it really it has helped save lives uh, with a couple of diabetic-type situations. Um, we, we had a situation just a few months ago where a gentleman got on the wrong way of the interstate, because he was having a diabetic episode. And mm-hmm. you know they were able to see that they, and he did have a yellow dot. And they quickly saw that was a problem, got him stable, got him turned around and I believe it saved a life. Fantastic. Fantastic. That
2: is one program that I'm very well aware of. We... Um, Implemented that program several years ago to make sure that all of our agents would talk to um, our, our, our clients about as they came through. Anybody that, that kind of voiced any kind of concern, they would know that that yellow dot program existed. And I was real excited as I would drive around Mobile and I would see those yellow dots on the back of people's cars. Um, I really thought it was a great thing to see that it looked like a lot more were kind of popping up. But, um, so, but you're saying that, that it kind of had a, a real big push out and then it's kind of leveled a little bit.
1: Yeah, and, and you can relate a lot of that to the, you know, when we first pushed it out, you know, there was a lot of media coverage about it. Right. And, um, and I think we can probably reinvigorate that right. and, and get it Absolutely. going again. You know, deputies carry those packets in their cars. Right. You know, and, you know, if anyone. If anyone calls and is interested in them, we, we will get them to them
0: if they're not able to, to come get it, That's come fantastic. pick them up.
2: So. That's fantastic.
0: Um, real quickly, and I, I know that we didn't previously discuss this, but I think this would probably be an easy one, since so it's not like a gotcha question, but. Um, Working with seniors like we do, uh, from a sheriff's perspective, what's, are, there, are there scams that you guys see? Because obviously seniors are very vulnerable, they they get a phone call. So what are some of the things that you guys have seen in the community that, that maybe people listening, whether it be seniors or the adult caregivers of seniors, just some to be aware of in the community?
1: Unfortunately, that happens a lot more frequently than people. Probably think mm-hmm. um, annually there, and this is nationally uh, there's about three billion dollars year loss uh, of senior wow. victims wow. and um, we do uh, I guess some of the more popular scams are the IRS where some call. <laughs> pretending to be from the IRS and and with technologies nowadays they can spoof the number and it looks like it's coming from the IRS Mm -hmm. and they'll get social security numbers, bank account numbers and um, that's a real popular one right now. I would say the second most popular is the, uh, we call it the grandparent scam where, you know, a, Senior citizen, we're gonna call saying your grandson or your nephew is either in jail or has been involved in an accident. Um, we need you to send money, you know, right now to this, you know, or go buy these green dot cards. They've all, but they're real pushy, and and they'll typically call like in the middle of the night, and, and which gives that that senior a sense of urgency. And my uncle actually got got hit with that. Yeah, and and, and what. What I would say to that is number one, you know, hang up because if it's something serious, they'll they'll call back. Um, but call that grandchild, you know, or their parent to Absolutely. you know verify whether whether there is an actual situation or not. And like I said, if you hang up, they're probably not going to call back. Um, you know, and, and if you can't get a hold of the the you know grandchild or nephew. Call the local agency where they're supposed to be. You know, you can. You they'll tell you if they're in jail or not. Mm-hmm. And uh, or call the IRS and say, "Hey, did, did exactly. you just call me?" <laughs> exactly. Well, th- that's the one thing we tell you: the IRS don't call people, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it, their communications are primarily through the mail. Absolutely. And and so you know, if someone calls you saying we're from the IRS, hang up because they're not
2: from the IRS. And advice. I think it's so funny in, in my little neighborhood that, that in West Mobile um, where my neighborhood is we a few years ago we decided we'd have our own Facebook um, neighborhood Facebook and whenever someone walks in, and I have a neighborhood full of a lot of seniors that are in there and I mean I love it I mean I love it because they're there throughout the whole day and, and I like you know making sure that I, I can check in on them and, and, and they're watching they're really watching everything that goes on inside that neighborhood and um, whenever we have somebody that comes in that is, you know, trying to solicit for roof repair or, you know, alarm systems or whatever it is. The first house they hit, I mean, the the seniors taking pictures of them and posting it on our neighborhood Facebook, and everybody throughout the the whole neighborhood knows. By the time he gets to the second or third house, you know, they're holding up the Facebook in front of them and and, and saying, you know, you need to leave, you can't be here. We're no soliciting neighborhood. It's it's, it's funny to me. Um, just kind of watching that happen. But it's, it's, it's really a great thing because it makes them aware of what's going on. And, and, you know, the people at the front of the subdivision are picking up, and it's, it's, it's really nice.
1: It is, and, and we absolutely love that. Um, you know, there are a lot of communities like that now that, that you know, have their own Facebook sites or, or some kind of social media site. right. And, and when there is a problem in the neighborhood, either either solicitors or someone who don't belong there, Or even crime, right, crime like a somebody scouting a the neighborhood, their their network lights up pretty quickly, right. And you know we encourage the public, and, and I I believe I can speak on behalf of the police department as well. Anytime you see something that's out of the ordinary, call us. That's what we're here for. Yeah. Turns out to be nothing is nothing, right. But it's those alert citizens who can usually see something, they like, I know that person's up to no good. Right. Call us, and we'll determine that, and, and they usually have stopped some crime. <laughs> and what, what I'll say to that kind of goes into that last question with the contractors and solicitors. Their biggest thing is pressure. You know that they're going to pressure um, the senior homeowners in, into you know getting a check right then or, or cash right then. If you you know, and our advice is if you didn't call for a contractor, then don't do business with them because because they're they're going to be from out of town. Number one, you know, and if if you do need some type of contract work, get three estimates from local reputable companies.
2: During hurricane season, that's a that's a, that's huge, a, that's a huge scam. Deal. Yes, uh, I've seen that happen many
1: times. Sure yeah, a huge scam. Um, and that was actually one of the ones that I was going to talk about. Um, one of the more, I guess, less fortunate uh, scams we've seen are, are romance scams with seniors. Oh,
0: goodness. Romance, and, okay, yes. Okay, yeah. this should be interesting. Yeah.
1: Well, you, you'll get someone who will target a senior, and usually what they do is, you know, you got these group of thugs who, who will follow the obituaries, and then and they'll find a widow or widower, mm-hmm. and, and you know they don't do it right away, but then they'll slowly either start sending you know mail or fi- find out a phone number, phone calls. Okay. And unfortunately, it happens a lot more than what you think, and, and these people will spend their life savings. Trying to, you know, hey, I, I've. Their story usually is, you know, they've fallen on some kind of hard times. You know, they're not from the area. I need money to move closer. And I need power bill this, you know, this month. And uh, we had one very unfortunate case a number of years ago. Um, it, it, it was a, a widow. I think in a year's time, she sent this. And I don't know if it was one person, or they were out of the. We later determined they didn't live in this country. Over four hundred thousand dollars in a little wow. over a year. She lost everything she had. Oh my god! Sending this money. There's nothing. You know, she was of. You know, the family tried to enlist us for help, but she was of sound mind and body. That was her choice, and there was nothing we could do to stop it. Um, That's awful. You know, but but there are more cases out there like that, and you know. It's, there are a lot more evil people out there than what the general public thinks there are.
0: <laughs> I tell my kids that all the time, there's a lot of bad people out there. Yeah. You know, Keep your keep your eyes and your ears open, because you never know, because they're always trying to take advantage. Yeah,
1: and, and that's I know it's an, an adage that you probably hear a lot, but you know I, I say it a lot, it is the, the worst criminal out there are those who target seniors and children. Absolutely. And, and, right. and those bet. ought to be the ones who are punished the worst. Absolutely. But,
2: Unfortunately, those are used to punish the least. Mm-hmm. right. Changing over, Paul, I want to go into the the disabled for younger people, because um, that's also a clientele that we work with, our seniors, and then working with our, our, our disabled people that are in the community, because there's a lot of people that are disabled in the community. Um, one of the things that, that I've asked of many different people um, that have come through is we've seen a lot of cutting of budgets from the mental health associations and, and just this, this, this in, in Alabama, specifically Alabama, but just this, this star of the mental health um, resources that are available. And I think when all of that kind of gets cut out, it all kind of defaults down to law enforcement um, specifically the sheriff's department or the the mobile police department now that your funding increases um you're in your funding probably stays the same or decreases but all of these other services that are defunded that just pushes people more toward your area to try to to deal with and so often people that have mental health issues will end up homeless they'll end up incarcerated they'll end up um just not seeking help or treatment and they're you know on the streets and it's a, a very difficult situation and and I, I really just kind of like the it' it's unfair that it's being pushed all the way all the way to law enforcement to have to deal with it because i mean I know you do not have to you have this big mental health training um, coming through the police academy or you may have a big mental health training but it's not, you know, mental health counselor type training. So, and I know that's not your primary thing, but how do you deal with that? Well, you know, I will say certainly, you know, it's probably
1: in the academy curriculum now. You know, okay. it, it wasn't for years because it just wasn't, you know, a topic that was law enforcement related. Right. But I will say over the last few years, we've had to incorporate that into our in-service training. Uh, um, we have several institutions who will come out and, and give you know classes during our in-service and it, it, one of the biggest problems it causes and, and this would be us and the PD is together because we handle the jail was, right. this Mobile Metro Jail and, and, and it goes in ways where it does cause overcrowding and, and, and because you come across someone who does have a mental, mental problem and, and they just there's no other way to deal with them and so you, you have to put them in jail and it's unfortunate because they really haven't they're not a violent criminal right? and, and but now they've become part of the, the criminal system and not just the mental health system right? Uh, between late last year and the first January of this year um, the sheriff's office alone has had to shoot and kill three people with mental health issues and you know It it was just very, very unfortunate. You know, it was a situation where there was no other choice. Right. But, you know, they were either not taking their medications or, or, you know, and one was, in fact, homeless and just, you know, the family's unable to deal with them. And and, and then they call us, and we're faced with the unfortunate situation of of you have to use the cards that you're dealt with at that moment. Right. And, And... we there. There are you know our training on mental health and dealing with the mental health uh, public it, it is becoming more and more frequent, and again, but that that takes funding as well. Right. You know, when we have to spend time in in service talking about that, you know, we're taken away from law enforcement training, you know, especially now with today's environment, I think there needs to be even more tactical training. Right. And it's, it's, a, it's one of those situations right now, there's not a good answer for it. And, and funding is the issue. I mean, there, I, think, I can think of many other programs a state could uh, decrease funding in oh, yeah. and, and, and put it in mental health. Because it's only going to get worse.
0: Well, it's got to be extremely challenging when you know, depending if you look at the training that that officers and and get as they're coming into the force, uh, and then just years of experience when you're trying to deal with someone who is cognitive and lucid and trying to figure out, and they're a bad guy. You know, there's there's some things that you can learn in training and experience that help you probably understand what's the next move going to be. But when you're dealing with someone who has mental health issues. There's no telling what could be going on in because no, they don't know what's going because they don't know what's going on, and so yeah. it makes it extremely more dangerous, you know, for for our first responders out there. And like like Jason said, it's you know that's, that's not what they went into in the law in enforcement for, right? And so it's it, it's very challenging, and, and again, the, it, it adds a level of stress for your team. But I can't even imagine what's like to have to deal with them. The um, you know,
1: and again, our, our probate. Court system is you know works hand in hand with it with us. Uh, we we have to transport a lot of the, the the mental patients who are you know at least put into some kind of program where they can right. get some help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but again, that's usually outpatient a, after a few days, right. and and then. You know, I had that experience do do at the
2: hospital that? as well having people that would be committed before you know when they would attempt suicide or things and we'd have them committed at the from the hospital and it was it was going through probate and it just didn't seem like the the best route to do things and you know sometimes you you, you didn't know what to do I mean you our hands I felt like our hands were tied in the hospital because we really didn't know what direction to be able to go could we get them into a facility? And now, of course, the facilities are closing down all yeah. around us. And it's just, its it, it was a really difficult, it, it, it was a difficult situation. I don't see it getting better. I see it getting worse. Paul, mm-hmm. oh, thank you so much for coming in today. Yeah, and, and Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for coming in. We really appreciate it. And and this is Jason Jones with our podcast. We're really excited that you, you, you came in and listened to us today. And, and stay tuned for our next one. Thank you very much. Thank Bye. you. Thank you.